Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, good night. It is Nick the American. Hell, I forgot what episode it is. I think, are we on 26? Are we on 25? I think we're on 26. Don't quote me on that because I'm stupid and I don't know. And what I don't know, I tell you I don't know. And there'll be a few things today where I tell you, hey, I just don't know. And if we take that attitude as Americans, we might be a bit, uh, just a bit better off. But the last time I spoke to you, the United States of America did not have a Speaker of the House. And I am excited as all hell, just tickled to death, frankly, that we have a new Speaker. His name is Mike Johnson. No, it is not our boy Jim Jordan. The wrestling maniac, the legislative terrorist, the dude who just gets shit done. It's not Jim Jordan. Jim uh, three times failed as speaker before he dropped out. And there were a number of other speakers who entered the race. Tom Emmer was one of them from the state of Minnesota. Um, but it was Mega Mike Johnson, as some people are calling him. I'm not going to call him Mega Mike. Well, maybe I will. Let's. What do we know about Mike Johnson? He's the 56th speaker in United States history. Kind of cool. You didn't know that? Well, maybe you did. I mean, you got to admit, listeners of Nick the American are 3% smarter than the rest of the population. So maybe you did know that. Maybe you didn't. I don't know. He's from Louisiana's 4th District, which covers, if you have traveled to Louisiana like Nick the American has, that covers Shreveport and Bossier City. I used to call it Bossier City. I didn't know any better. But I've been to Bossier City. I've been to Shreveport. So Mike Johnson, that's where he comes from. He is, according to the Drudge Report, the least experienced speaker in the last 140 years. And so who gives a shit? Who gives a shit? Experience is a funny thing. Can he garner the support of... 217 Republicans, and if you can do that, then you've got the experience. You've got the experience. You know, it's a it's an old political tool that everybody uses. Oh, he's not experienced enough. Well, we'll find out how experienced it is. Can he get shit done? Now, a couple things that'll be interesting here. Mike Johnson is pro-Israel, but he's voted against funding for Ukraine. And he could butt heads with Mitch McConnell, the majority leader in the Senate for the Republicans. There's a rift there. And we're going to get into kind of that Ukraine-Israel funding here in, in just a bit. But uh, Mike Johnson, new speaker. The other thing that's interesting about Mike, and here, here's, 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 where, here's my problem with him. He was an election denier. He's an attorney, high-powered attorney. He fought to keep Trump in power. And I just have no stomach. Forget Republican, Democrat. You always hear me say that. I'm always going to fucking say it. I have no stomach, especially now, for someone who cannot say Joe Biden won the election. It's hard for me to look at, you know, you wanted to keep this man in power just to keep him in power. We have a democracy, ladies and gentlemen. We have a democracy it has to function properly. And yeah, it's not perfect. It is not perfect. But just to blanketly say, hey, there was voter fraud and I'm going to defend this lying dipshit no matter what. Because let's face it, 
Mike Johnson or any other Republican who won't say who won the election or won't talk about it, they do so for one reason. Listen to me, Republicans. You do so for one reason. It's because you're afraid of the Mad King. He will come out like he did Tom Emmer, the rep from Minnesota who was who was trying to become speaker, and he will lambast you. Emmer's not a not a, a election denier, and if you aren't, Trump hates you. If you've come out and said Joe Biden won the election, you know how butt hurt your king is. It's time to move past the king. But uh, anyways, Mike Johnson is our new speaker. Congratulations to Mike. You've got a tough road ahead. Being Republican speaker is no easy job. It's kind of a be careful what you wish for. Kevin McCarthy found that out. Be careful what you wish for. So good luck to, to, to Mike Johnson. I will be curious to see. We'll talk about maybe him a, a little bit a little bit down the road here when it comes to Ukraine and Israel funding. So anyways, more politics. We're going to hit you with a bunch of politics, and then we're going to transition to sports. But uh, Mike Pence dropped out of the presidential running. Mike Pence is no longer running for president. God told him it wasn't his time. Trump told him it wasn't his time. And uh, yeah, geez, Mike, you just should have certified the election, just, you know, just a blanket certification for Trump. And maybe he would have uh, endorsed you in 2028 or 2032. <laughs> I kid, but I don't kid. So with Mike Pence out of the race, how does the race look? Nikki Haley appears to be rising to the number two candidate on the, on, on the ticket, not on the ticket, in the race. Everybody's behind Trump. I don't really see a path forward for anybody. Except I keep talking about Virginia Governor Glenn Youngkin, who's got this big war chest. What's he what's he got this war chest for? But I I, I Nikki Haley, I don't believe, would accept being on the ticket with Donald Trump. I think Trump she she'd be great. I think she'd be great for Donald Trump. But she's not, you know, like I said. Trump may have just one question for a, a, when he's vetting VP candidates. And this is serious. This, is, this isn't this is a joke. Will you certify the election if I lose? And, and obviously, Nikki Haley wouldn't be the vice president, so she wouldn't have that power. But say he wins election, he, I, maybe that's his question. That's all he cared about with Mike Pence. Mike Pence was so loyal to Donald Trump. So loyal. I think he thought he was his heir apparent. I am going to bite my tongue at certain things he says and does, like most Republicans have to do, because I know my time is coming. Mike Pence knew his time was coming. Well, when he knew he didn't have the constitutional power just to decide the presidency of the United States, and Trump told him he did, and he should, and he will do this for the king, and he didn't, his presidential career was over. It was over. I don't think, maybe if Trump passed away tomorrow, maybe in four years, maybe he would have a shot. I don't know. But as long as Trump is living and breathing, Mike Pence will never, never be the Republican nominee for president unless the Republicans have the, have, have the sort of enlightenment that I'm praying for. You know, Nick the, Nick the American is uh, real religious, and he's, he's praying for this Republican enlightenment when it comes to Donald Trump. 
I'd like to see Mike Pence be the nominee. Be way better than Trump. Way better. And and me and Mike Pence don't agree on a lot. That's okay. Mike Pence is a human being. Donald Trump is not a human being. He he's he's I don't even know what the fuck to call him. But anyways, anyways. My goodness. So another note here. Does anybody know who Dean Phillips is? You guys do? Really? All right. You guys don't know who Dean Phillips is. Dean Phillips is from the state of Minnesota in the 3rd District, Twin Cities. Okay. What did Dean Phillips do? Dean Phillips announced that he's running for president in the Democratic Party. Dean Phillips is a pre- is, is a Democrat, and he is running for president. I think I've got a quote here from Dean that I kind of liked. But I applaud Dean Phillips. If you've listened to 25 episodes, you know I don't want any part of Joe Biden running. He's too damn old. My party doesn't want him. He, Biden is just too old. He's not an awful president. He just fumbles around and fucks things up, okay? But he toes the line for the Democrats, and so would any Republican nominee. But just like Pence, he's a human being. He's a human. He's too old. Democrats want to jump from Biden. We do. We just don't have any fucking options. Republicans... Not obviously, you guys have a ton of options. Nobody wants to jump from the Mad King. I don't know why. I don't know why. Goodness. Here's what uh, Dean Phillips said: "Quote, too old for a second term. I will not sit still, and I will not be quiet in the face of numbers that are so clearly saying that we are going to be facing an emergency next November." End quote. Well, I couldn't agree with him more. We've seen polling data. Trump and Biden are neck and neck. It's right there, okay? That's fucking scary because if Trump becomes president again, we might as well just crown him king, okay? He will literally spend the next four years putting people in place in swing states where he cannot lose. He is only a few Rudy Giuliani's away as, as I read an article a long time ago, he was only a few Rudy Giuliani's in the right spots, in the right states, Arizona, Georgia, Pennsylvania, stuff like that, states like that, from holding on to the presidency even though he didn't win. And so you can bet your ass if Trump wins the presidency, he will do everything in his power to put in those Rudy Giuliani's in the right spots. Do you, do you think that Donald Trump thinks maybe he made a mistake, even though he said Rudy drinks too much, Rudy's a train wreck. If he'd have stuck Rudy Giuliani in as vice president, he'd have gone up there in front of the Senate and not certified jack shit or certified Trump as president, and then we would have had all hell break loose. Okay? Now, I'm getting a little sidetracked here. Democrats need more options than Joe Biden. Joe Biden, for the good of the country, the good of his party, the good of the country, fuck the party. Fuck the party. Fuck the Democratic Party for a second. For the good of the country, he needs to step aside and let other people have their turn. And I know it's hard because he's the incumbent. And it's almost your 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 right to run for a second term. But it's not unprecedented to see somebody primaried. A long time ago, we discussed uh, uh, Kennedy, Ted Kennedy running against and damn near beaten uh, Jimmy Carter. 
my boy Jimmy Carter, the best president post-presidency ever. Maybe one of the worst presidents we've had, the best president as a human being post-presidency we've ever had. But So Dean Phillips enters the race. Will there be others? Will there be others? Biden's raising money like crazy, and uh, the poll numbers suggest that America is done with Biden. The Democratic Party is done with Biden. There and 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 the fact that it's it's it, it, how anybody could be even with Donald Trump in a national poll is crazy to me. But we don't we don't elect presidents on national polls as Democrats have found out multiple times since 2000. Democrats have lost the presidency when winning the popular vote. Shit, Hillary Clinton won it by 3.2 million votes. So can you imagine if Trump won the popular vote and lost the Electoral College? Totally rigged. Totally rigged. I mean, even though Democrats have had to face that reality twice, twice. And just And we've talked about this. I'm just trying to get it through. I have a lot of Republicans who listen to this show. You can't vote for Trump. You just cannot. I don't give a fuck who the Democratic nominee is. I'm not asking you to vote for the Democratic nominee. I'm just saying don't vote at the top of the ticket. Vote at every other level. Vote at every other level. Oh, gracious. Dean Phillips, he's 54 years old. He's running for president. Good for you, Dean. Maybe that's what we needed. We needed somebody to break the fucking ice. So good. All right. We're going to move on a little bit here. We're going to move on. I'm going to pose a question here. Does the United States of America want to be the leader of the free world? Do we want to be the global stud, the global leaders? I'm not so sure we do anymore. Okay. Now, me growing up, and, and, and I don't know my most of my adult life. I felt like it, it has been it has been important for Republicans and Democrats, whoever's in office, that we maintain global leadership in the world. We are a constant leader. We are, as Reagan said, that shining city on a hill. But in today's world, I'm not so sure. I've seen polling with young people that are divided on support for Ukraine and Israel. And I've talked about the former president in 1980 to 1988, Ronald Reagan, you know, with this whole Ukraine thing. Ronald Reagan would have literally cut off his left fucking leg to support Ukraine against Russia. He would do anything, 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 anything to beat the Russians. And keep in mind, Reagan got to deal with Mikhail Gorbachev you know, there was Boris Yeltsin. These were palatable. These these were these were okay Russian leaders that we could deal with. Vladimir Putin. Only I could deal with Vladimir. He would have never ever invaded Ukraine. Shut the fuck up, Don. Shut the fuck up. Yeah, no, he was a genius for invading Texas slash Ukraine. I always say Texas because I I like to draw that parallel for Americans. Ukraine is Texas. Russia is the United States of America. Okay. That's what happened. Texas said we can't take it anymore and broke off. 
eventually Russia said, hey, it's time. It's time you come back into the fold. And it hasn't worked out so well for Putin. He's hardly a genius. Trump saying that just what a huge miscalculation. You're, you're dead fucking wrong, dumbass. Putin's not a genius for doing this. I know Putin probably doesn't think so either. So do we want to be the global leader in the world? And if so, doesn't if we do, doesn't funding for Ukraine and Israel isn't that isn't that side by side? It's both. I mean, they're they both have to get done, and so it's going to be really interesting what we're seeing here in the House of Representatives and the Senate. I think the Senate, by and large, Republicans and Democrats, Mitch McConnell and Joe Biden. And Lindsey Graham, they're on the same fucking page. Hey, oh my God, Republicans and Democrats who hate each other? We want a civil war? We're united on foreign policy in the Senate. Outside of, you know, there, there are some outliers. There's somebody named J.D. Vance. J.D. Vance is a senator from the great state of Ohio. Go Buckeyes! And J.D. Vance wants to compartmentalize the funding for Israel and Ukraine, as a lot of you hear, this is what you're hearing from Republicans. They should be separate. Israel funding should be separate from Ukraine. And the reason why they're saying that is because Republicans want to fund Israel. And so do Democrats outside of Rashida Tlaib. There are a few, there are a few Democrats that don't want to fund Israel. And I think there's probably a couple um, Republicans as well. But the reason why they want to separate Ukraine funding from Israel funding is because they don't want to fund Ukraine anymore. They don't want to fund Ukraine anymore. And here's what J.D. Vance said. Here it was one of his reasons for not wanting to fund Ukraine. Quote, Israel has an achievable objective. Ukraine does not. End quote. J.D. Vance. Senator. Ohio. Republican. Israel has an achievable objective. JD, please tell me what the f I was before you even said this. I, I I was scratching my head, going, "What is the exit strategy for you? Excuse me for for Israel in this? Is it to displace two hundred or excuse me two million Palestinians, kick them the fuck out of Gaza, completely populate Gaza with nothing but Jews, build a fucking moat around Gaza?" And then basically get attacked every day of your life for the rest of your life. For the rest of existence. For the rest of humanity. J.D. Vance, I would please tell me what is the clear achievable objective for Israel. I don't think there is. I would argue that Ukraine's got a much more achievable objective. I think Russia at some point could just give the fuck up. Their soldiers are giving up. Now I don't you can't believe all the war propaganda you hear coming out of the, out of the war but at some point is Russia just going to call it quits or are they going to use nukes I don't know but I would argue that Ukraine has a more achievable objective their own sovereignty We have a country we got attacked Russia's trying to take us over There's a lot of similarities between Israel and and and, and Ukraine um, both of them suffered awful, awful attacks. I'm not sure what Israel, excuse me, Ukraine was doing to provoke Russia, besides not just going along with them.
Israel has a long and bloodied history with the Palestinians. So there is some difference there. But uh, yeah, J.D. Vance, we can agree to disagree on this one. And I want to talk about Trump for a second because when, when, when Tom Emmer was running for speaker, he Trump came out and bashed him because he's not a Trumper. And he called him a globalist. He called him a globalist. And I, I just mentioned, and I don't, I, I don't have exact polling numbers for you, but young people in this country, which Trump doesn't do so well with, they're, they're kind of, they're kind of scratching their heads, saying, "Well, why don't we? Why do we need to be the global leaders? Why can't we fund everything here at home? Why do we need to go out and and, and be everybody's big brother and give them a bunch of money?" And so I'm wondering, with Trump using the word globalist more and more, is that going to be part of his, and hey, I'm an electoral guy, and I, I think it might be a decent strategy. Is Trump going to go out and call everyone globalists, and we need to take care of, every, you know, at home first? I remember George W. Bush debating Al Gore, calling him a nation builder, nation builder, nation builder. And then W. Bush did everything he could to go in and invade Iraq and take it over and break it, you buy it, bitch. Right? Right. 2022, we gave Ukraine $12 billion in funding. We give Israel between 3 and $4 billion a year. Just there, there it goes. Okay? This, these numbers I've got are according to the Brookings Institute. Okay? In 2019, does, hey, does anybody know all of this money we give to Ukraine, Israel, countries all over the world for good faith? Hey, we are the global leaders. This is what a, a good big brother does. This is what the leader of democracy does. They help out all over the world. Does anybody know what percent of our federal budget we give to foreign countries, foreign aid? The this is a big misnomer. The American people think this is way larger than it is. According to the Brookings Institute in 2019, so I don't have updated facts, $39.2 billion. It's less than 1% of the federal budget. Americans think it's 10%, 15%, 25%. They think it's crazy. It's less than 1%. It seems, it seems on the surface like a pretty good investment. Less than 1%? Maybe instead of saying, hey, we're going to give so-and-so $12 billion, we're going to give so-and-so $10 billion, whatever. Hey, this is less than 1% of the federal budget. Now, I also understand, young people, why can't we fix our borders? Why can't we, why, 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 why can't we do better at the southern border with more money? Why can't we fix homelessness? Why can't we shore up Social Security? Why do we have to be giving money to foreign countries? But again, you have to go back to the question. How important is it for us to be the global leaders of this world? It used to be paramount. It used to be paramount. We see Republicans and Democrats in the Senate on board. On board with funding of Ukraine and Israel. Mitch McConnell just said, they're one and the same. They're one and the same. I don't differentiate between the two. 
and I think I agree with him, but I'm not going to sit here and pow my fist at a fucking bar and argue with some Republican or some Whig or whoever, some nihilist who thinks we shouldn't be giving any funding at all. I would just be, you know, I, I would just want to have a conversation. But Republicans, Democrats in the Senate, they are united for the most part. I did mention J.D. Vance, who I disagree with his, his, his logic. There is no fucking ex- exit strategy for the Israelis on this one, J.D. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You just don't want to fund Ukraine, dude. You just don't want to fund Ukraine. What would Ronald Reagan say to people that don't want to fund Ukraine? He'd roll over in his fucking grave. I promise you that. I promise you that. But we're supposed to be so different, Republicans and Democrats. Wait a minute. A lot of us are united on this. Hell, Rashida Tlaib and, and Marjorie Taylor Greene, Machine Gun Taylor Greene, I, I, aren't they? I mean, she's got issues with Israeli funding. So does Tlaib. So, global leaders at what cost? And this, this, this globalist term, I wonder if this is a theme. If I was a Trump campaign official, I'm going to get Republicans. I'm going to get Republicans who are Ronald Reagan Republicans, who are lockstep old school Republicans who want to be global leaders, who it's important to fund Ukraine. Israel's our most important ally in the Middle East. I... I God, I'm just at a fucking loss here. I'm at a loss. Do we want to be global leaders or not? That's the question. And 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 I don't know the I don't know the answer. I said I don't I don't know I don't know. It is going to be interesting how things shake out. Mike Johnson, the Speaker of the House. Are are we going to see a bunch of Republicans on the House side and almost all the Democrats vote for funding on Israel and Ukraine, and then it, and then you're going to get. 50 Democrats and 44 Republicans to vote for funding on Israel and and Ukraine. Maybe the minority in the House of Representatives, that Republican faction, that Freedom Caucus that 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 got rid of McCarthy, the Jim Jordan wing are are are, are they finally, hey, you're the minority bitch. Look at you don't have the votes. You're not going to stop funding Ukraine. I don't think they have the votes. It'll be interesting. Interesting. $39.2 billion. That's, that's foreign aid. That's foreign aid. Less than 1% of our federal budget. All right. Let's get a little happier. Let's, no, actually, no, we're not going to get happier. Fuck that. This is going to be awful. We had a mass shooting. We just had a mass shooting in Maine. Lewiston, I believe. I've got a I've got a pool dealer up there that does a lot of business with me. A lot of business. So thoughts and prayers go out to them. Thoughts and prayers. Thoughts and prayers, ladies and gentlemen, are a coping me- mechanism. When my sister died, that's what people gave me was thoughts and prayers. It wasn't going to fix the death of my sister. And so although thoughts and prayers are very good, they're very good, they're not going to solve our mass shooting crisis here in this country, whether it be at a fucking mall or a bar or a school, okay? Let's see, 18 were murdered by this this guy. I'm not even going to mention his fucking name. He ended up committing suicide. 
13 are seriously wounded. I have not updated this as anybody died. But I always say, all you need to do, American people, to know what kind of gun was involved was look at the dead, the death, death toll. 18 people, 13 wounded. Immediately you say AR-15, and I thought AR-15. Oh, no, Nick. Oh, no. The AR-10. It's the AR-10, which is a different caliber. It's a .308 caliber. Okay? Now, I spent the other night, I spent over an hour reading gun message boards. And holy shit. If you get one thing wrong about the AR-15 or the AR-10 or the M4, some of these gun people will absolutely fucking just ridicule you. Well, it's not a military-grade weapon because military-grade implies blah, blah, blah. It's not the best weapon. There's so much minutiae that people want to talk about on these message boards when it, when it comes to guns. And I joked about people... You know, I don't know enough about the AR-15 and they'll just lambast me. Well, it's not a military-grade assault rifle. It's a fucking weapon of war. It was designed to kill people fast. So we have this AR-10. We have this AR-10 that was, that you know, I had not even heard of the AR-10. And there's a, I, I was reading all the, 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 the history of these weapons. And it's just, it's just, it's just crazy to me that, uh, these weapons are in the hands of mentally ill people. I don't know how to fix mass shootings. I, I, I don't. But I, I just know that a weapon like an AR-15 or an M4 or an AR-10, they just don't belong in civilian hands. And if they do, they and we talked about this, They belong. it's a pros pros gun. There should be some serious hoops. I bet if I was sitting down with 10 Republicans... We can come to a consensus on this, that there should be hoops to jump through to own this gun. Now, reading message boards, this was a common theme. It was Democrats, this gun, this gun, the AR, let's talk about the AR-15, the AR-10, whatever, the AR, is so popular because it was Democrats who outlawed it. And I, I read, if you tell me, the government tells me I can't do something or I can't have something, I want it. And so... It was a theme on the, these message boards that I was reading that Democrats had created this problem because they outlawed it. Okay, you know, well, you know, you, you talk to your kids and you, you know, you talk to your wife about, hey, be careful. You tell them you can't do something, they're going to go out and do it. And so this was the the same type of theme that 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 people were talking about on message boards with regards to the AR. Well, tell government says I can't do it, then fuck you. And, and it makes me chuckle as I'm reading this because I'm like, these gun enthusiasts were told they can't have this gun and now they want it. Now they want it. Even though the gun sucks, they said. You know, there's much better options out there. Tell me I can't do something. Well, what if, what if it was your own body? I'm not going to get into abortion, but I just chuckle. What if you could not have a medical procedure under any circumstance? The government told you so. There was a federal law. Maybe maybe you wouldn't want to just go out and jump out and have an abortion, but maybe if you were 45 years old and you found out you and your wife were pregnant and you went in to your ultrasound meeting and found out your child is seriously mentally retarded, maybe you might want to have one. Maybe it's your choice. 
So, anyways. Anyways. <sighs> Mass shootings. What's the plan? You know, how do we fix its mental health? We, 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 I, I just am at a loss. There are so many crazy people. There are 20 million ARs. AR-15s in 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 the population more more I read than F-150 pickup trucks more than F-150 pickup trucks so we could ban this fucking gun and what the fuck you know good would it do I guess we can do our best to keep it out of the insane if you've got any if you've been evaluated for any sort of mental lapse any anything you sh- I mean my goodness you should be waitlisted for fucking ever for this gun. We had an idea that this person would do this. The military was doing checks on this guy. We were watching this guy. He had guns legally, I guess. Hunter Biden's not allowed to have a gun because he's a drug addict. But this guy can fucking have a gun. The the military and police are doing stops at this guy's house to check on him. That must have been a fun stop for cops. Jeez, you got a psychopath in there. He he needed, I mean, we knew. We knew, I guess, if you if we think we know, we've got to go detain somebody and there has to be some sort of psychological evaluations and we need to keep weapons like these away from people like these. But I did see the good news, folks, the good news, I don't want to make light of, of a mass shooting that kills 18 people and counting, but I was listening, Sean Hannity's got a plan. He's got a plan for when a mass shooting occurs when he's around. You know what his plan is? He trains in MMA. He trains in MMA. So, hopefully, if you're lucky, if if you're unlucky enough to be around some mass shooting when it when it when it goes off, hopefully you're lucky enough to be around Sean Hannity so he can kick some motherfucking ass. I'm not sure what an MMA fighter can do against an AR, but maybe Sean could post a video of him kicking ass against an AR-15. I don't know. So good on you, Sean Hannity. Good on you for having a plan. Man, I like it. I like it. I don't want to ban guns. I've said this over and over. But these weapons of war, these these guns are so powerful, they turn Uvalde cops into pussies. Got a battle rifle. I'm not going in there. 18 dead. When's the next mass shooting? When's the next mass shooting? And like I've always said, just look at the death, the dead toll, and you know, was it a military? It was a military rifle or not? Was it a military rifle or not? Oh goodness gracious! All right, all right. Now we're gonna move on to some exciting stuff. Guess what? My high school football team played Bellevue High School. Bellevue High School, one of the premier. High school football programs in the entire state of Washington. There was a time from like 2000 to 2014 or 2002 where they'd won like 11 of 13 state championships or some shit like that under Butch, the legendary Butch Gontroff. They run the wing T offense just like we do, except they've been running it a long fucking time, a long time. They run it better than we do. I like to be real descriptive on this show. You guys know that. Hazen was face-fucked by Bellevue, 49 to nothing. Now we were down 7 nothing. Bellevue returned the opening kickoff, and here's the one highlight. We moved the ball from, like, 
our own 25 all the way down to the Bellevue 4. The first quarter is almost over. There's like um, two minutes left. We got stopped on downs by like a quarter yard, a half a yard. Otherwise, there was a really good chance we were going into the second quarter at 7-7, seven to seven, and then the onslaught would have ensued. But that would have been a quite an accomplishment for our team. Seven, seven. I mean, th- that that's what it is when you're facing Bellevue. That's what, what it is. You're so outmanned. I joked, we were warming up on our side of the 50, and Be- Bellevue had like three times as many kids as us. I don't know how they fit into the Renton Stadium locker room. I have no fucking clue. That's how big a football team they've got. They've got they've got a kid named Dimitri. Okay, I'm just going to use his first name. He's 6'8", 365, and this son of a bitch literally tries to, to jump on top of you when you're on the ground. Hey, refs, look out for Dimitri. It's bullshit. He, you, 6'8", 365, you could kill somebody. He was literally trying to squash our poor kids. But uh, hats off to Bellevue. You know, that, that's, you know, as a young, aspiring football coach, not young, but just young as a coach, of course, you, you look at what Bellevue does and, and you're just in awe. Now, they've got open enrollment. They get kids from all over. So, but, but, but they built this son of a bitch. And Coach Michael Knipe uh, has taken, you know, he, he's done a really good job the last several years. But, uh, yeah. And, 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 oh, by the way, guess who was in attendance at Renton Stadium when uh, the Bellevue Wolverines and the Hazen Highlanders squared off? Head football coach of the Michigan Wolverines, Jim Harbaugh, was there. He's got a tight end that's going to Michigan from Bellevue, and he was there to check out uh, police escort and all. Jim Harbaugh was – I did not see him personally, but he was in the house watching his tight end slash DN prog- uh, product. His name's Hogan. His name's Hogan. He's a good player. It's hard to tell because he doesn't play a ton of snaps. Well, he does, but it's hard to tell how good you are when you guys are smacking people like they are. So, yeah, Jim Harbaugh was in attendance. Got to, God, he got to watch Nick the American coach. I mean, hey, zero points. Nothing wrong with that. I'm surprised he didn't offer me a job on his staff immediately after the game. All right, moving on. <gasps> it's been since 2015. It's been 16 straight losses. To the Kansas City Queefs, I mean Chiefs, 16 straight losses, ended on Sunday with a 24-9 victory over Pat Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. I, I, I did not know if we would ever beat Pat Mahomes. Holy shit, we did it. Now, our defense played really good. Our offense was, I mean, we got five flipping turnovers. We got a 50-yard punt return from Marvin Mims. We should have won this game by a lot more than we did. Russell Wilson threw for like 100 yards, 115 yards. Now, he threw for three touchdowns, but he's got issues still. And the whole, let's just, the whole let Russ cook theme, that shit is 100% dead. If it, if, if, if there was any sort of let Russ cook Still in existence today. That shit was gone on Sunday. The Denver Broncos ran the ball, I believe, 42 times. We threw the ball 19. This is Russ from 2000. This is baby Russ time. 
This is, we're going to control you, Russ. You need to make a few plays, and we are going to run the football. That is the Sean Payton formula. That is the Sean Payton formula going forward. So, is Denver back? Hell no, we're not going to get back. I'm telling you, folks, take the eight and a half points in the Buffalo Bills next week. Take them. Denver's about, uh, their defense is going to give again. It's going to give again. And I, God, I, I do have to say, hey, good job, Vance Joseph. You give up 70 to the Miami Dolphins. You give up nine to the world champion Chiefs. Not bad. Not bad. So, no more let Russ cook. We're a running team. We are a running team. We're three and five. If somehow, some way, we were to beat Buffalo in Buffalo, which I do not, I, I, I give us very little chance to do so. If we were to to ring off our third straight victory and actually beat Buffalo to go to four and five, then I will have a different conversation for you, Denver Bronco fans, next week. Because then I would say, hey, wait a second, wait a second. Because hey, I'm, I'm a firm believer that nine and eight in the AFC is going to get you into the playoffs, and that would be from where we've started at one and five would be a remarkable feat, a remarkable feat. But you got to beat the Buffalo Bills. I don't think we're going to do it. Betters out there, take the Bills, give the eight and a half, and they're going to beat Denver 35 to 13. There you go. We're not going to stop Josh Allen. But who knows? One more thing on the NFL. I just, I had watching Will Levis. Will Levis was a can't miss first round quarterback out of the University of Kentucky. Well, if you watch the NFL draft, his name did not get called on the first day, and that's always kind of heartbreaking and sad. He's got his whole family there, yada, yada, yada. But uh, Will Levis got his first start for the, the Tennessee Titans or, or the old Houston Oilers. God, I, I don't want to get sidetracked here. Will Levis was awesome. He throws four touchdown passes. He looks big and strong, throwing the deep ball pretty well. Was it, was it beginner's luck? Or is this a, you know is this a, you know a sign to come for Will Levis? I hope so. We need great quarterbacks in the NFL. I'm rooting for the kid. Now the flip side, the jerseys that the Titans were wearing. God, I love the Houston Oilers jerseys. I love that oil rig, the baby blue, War and Moon, Lorenzo right, Lorenzo Low White. Who else? Who else? Drew Hill, Ernest Givens. Haywood Jeffries, my goodness. Sean Smith, oh, God. Some of the old Houston Oilers seeing those throwback jerseys coupled with Will Levis. You know what it did? It made me bring it up on Nick the American. That's what it did. All right. Now, lastly, Tyson Fury versus Francis Nagano. I told you there was no shot in hell. I, I wasn't getting the fight. I said out Nagano would probably knock him out. If I don't get the fight, that's a pretty good indicator that the fight will probably be decent. Now, the fight was not decent. The fight was not decent. It was a fucking slog. Nagano didn't want to throw any punches. Fury realized really early how strong Francis Nagano was. This wasn't a 220-pound Deontay Wilder where he could throw three punches and then lay on him like you know Sh Shrek, a.k.a. Tyson Fury does, and walk him to the ropes and zap him of his energy. You weren't going to do that shit to Nagano. He's too big, too strong. I don't think Fury underestimated him. 
I just think sometimes these MMA uh, boxing clashes are awkward. I think we saw an awkward fight the first couple rounds with Mayweather and McGregor. But hats off to Francis Naganu. I heard the WBC, one of the ranking systems, is going to rank him in the top 10. I think he should. He damn near beat the heavyweight champion of the world or one of two heavyweight champions of the world. So he's made himself some money. Couple, I've got some things I love about the event. I've got some things I hate about the event. One of the things, Mike Tyson supposedly, you know, going is training Francis Ngannou. He's been working with him. Tyson was in a suit. He walked him into the ring, but he wasn't in the corner. For production value on a pay-per-view where you got to spend 100 bucks. I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, if Mike Tyson was in the corner in, in warm-up pants and going, Francis, you got to let your hands go, Francis. Can you imagine how much better the whole the, the event would have been has if for 10 rounds we would have gotten to listen to Mike Tyson in the corner be the jockey and whip Francis Nagano down the down the stretch they come because I'm telling you ladies and gentlemen Francis Nagano was a trainer maybe away maybe a Mike Tyson away in the corner from winning that fight Going 10 rounds is not easy. It is not easy. And you could tell Nagano was nervous about it. They're trying to keep gas in their gas tank because they've not gone 10 rounds before, let alone 12. Had Nagano have let his hands go the last couple of rounds of that fight, I think he wins those rounds. Just by letting his hands go, showing he was the bully, and he wins the split decision. He wins the split decision. I think if Mike Tyson was in Francis Nagano's corner... He would have rode him like a jockey, and he would have told him to let his hands go, like Mike just said. Let your hands go, Francis. You got to let your hands go. And Francis would have listened. I think he had enough in the tank to win a couple of rounds at the end against Fury. But it's boxing, and Fury threw the flick of the jab out there, and he was... But he was winning rounds. It doesn't take much to win a round in boxing. It just doesn't. Especially Naganu. You had to let your hands go. You knocked the, the, the Gypsy King down in the third. And he was hurt. He was hurt. He felt your power in round one and round two. He could smell your power, which is why he took some of the tactics, which is why he had some of the problems that he did. So, now, here's what I liked about the event. I saw the United States of America involved in this event. Bob, top rank in Bob Arum. I saw the United Kingdom, our friends over there in Europe, be involved in this event. I saw Cameroon, home country of Francis Nagano, be involved in this event. I saw the Saudi Arabians deeply involved in this event. I saw, listened to three or four different national anthems. And it reminded me. You know, here I am. I'm sometimes I'm anti anti Saudi Saudi, except for when they get into my 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 boxing business because we need help. And, and and I was just reminded that yes, sex might be the universal language. You know, it's, it's one of those universal languages. But so is sports. And so, fifty year increments. If we can keep this love of sports up, this global love of sports, and bring people together. Isn't that good for our world? Isn't that good for the, the prosperity of our, our world long term? Not just here in the United States, but, but globally. But globally. 
And so I just, seeing all of these countries partake in this event, it just reminded me how important sports are. Sports are of the utmost importance in the United States of America. It's some of the glue that binds us together. How do we enhance America? I keep asking you guys. Well, I say work together. No. Hey, sports, sports, sports. It will always unite us in some fashion. And I was just reminded of that during Fury and Naganu, watching all of these different nations come together to provide this event. Sports is another language. It's a it's another universal language that we all share. We should build on this. We're going to keep talking about the Saudis and their involvement in sports. But maybe I'm evolving. Maybe I'm evolving. And it's, it's something as simple as sports that makes this nation great or greater and will ultimately make our world a much better place to live in. So... On that note, we've got one more high school football game. Cedar Crest is coming to Renton Stadium tomorrow night. I'm sure all of you guys are going to be there. Our last football game for our seniors. And holy moly, how the time has flown. Holy moly. Hey, I love you guys. You guys are semi-wonderful folks. This is Nick the American. Who the hell cares what episode it is? Hey, I'll talk to you later. Goodbye.